We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. They're going to kill the love of my life. Daisy! If I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday. Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain for love. Collide in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13. Maybe inappropriate for children under 13. Welcome to the Rotowire college football podcast uh this is going to be our our first episode of uh 2015 and we will probably be coming at you with one more uh sometime this summer and then once we kind of get closer to the regular season like a week away they'll be coming once a week every wednesday and i'm joined by mario puig who of course is our college football expert at rotowire and you know we might have we might have some other guests on and and some other uh, co-host at times uh, during the season but today it's just going to be me James Anderson with with Mario Puig and you know to get things started Mario uh, we've been talking a little bit in the office about you know your rankings for certain positions coming up here and you know the guy that I'm probably most excited about and I, I think you might be too is Nick Chubb with Georgia uh, but he's going to have a new a new offensive coordinator this year. Yeah so uh, Brian Schottenheimer who we last saw with the Rams where he wasn't particularly good 
Uh, he'll take over for the offensive coordinator spot at Georgia, but shouldn't really matter for Chubb. I think he's he's pretty well locked in as my top running back this year, and it's not like we considered Mike Bobo, the uh, previous play caller at Georgia, uh, to be some kind of especially qualified applicant, and yet Chubb dominated all the same. So uh, Schottenheimer can probably screw up a lot of things, but not uh, Nick Chubb's upcoming season. Yeah, I guess it would be more concerning if, if Chubb was going from a great offensive coordinator, Schottenheimer, but it's it's probably more of a lateral move. He's invincible. Doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, what are some other some notable coaching positions? I know, obviously, everybody sort of knows about some of the stuff going on in the Big uh, Big Ten, but what are what are some ones that kind of you think we should touch on here? Yeah. So, the Wisconsin lost Gary Anderson to Oregon State. Oregon State lost Mike Riley to Nebraska. Um, nothing's going to change at probably those three schools for the most part. Nebraska might throw a bit more under Mike Riley. Um, Paul Christ is taking over at Wisconsin in Anderson's place, and he's he's actually a former Wisconsin offensive coordinator, so nothing's going to change with uh, Wisconsin's system. Um, as far as high-impact changes, um, I think that there's probably four we would want to look at. There's Philip Montgomery taking over the head coaching job at Tulsa. He was the Baylor offensive coordinator the last few years. Um, there's Tom Herman leaving the Ohio State offensive coordinator job for the head coaching job at Houston. Um, there's Chad Morris leaving the offensive coordinator job at Clemson to take over the SMU head coaching job. And uh, there's Lincoln Riley, who is the offensive coordinator at East Carolina, taking over the same job at Oklahoma. Um, so with with those four guys, it's it's uh, a, a lot of uh, you know offensive success between the guys taking over. So Herman, obviously, Ohio State last year. Uh, Baylor's been a machine forever, it seems. Um, so yeah, there's some players who, who probably weren't that relevant previously on those teams who are going to be more relevant this year, especially at Tulsa. Um, I, I expect Tulsa to improve a bit under Montgomery and there's guys like Zach Langer, the running back is going to break out. I think, uh, Dane Evans, their quarterback is pretty interesting. Greg Ward, the quarterback at Houston is poised to, he's, he's a great fit by the way, for Tom Herman and the whole Ohio state, uh, you know, dual threat quarterback thing. Greg, Greg Ward should do well with that. Um, yeah, uh, SMU, there's things to be sorted out, uh, but Chad Morris made, obviously, Todd Boyd a huge hit at Clemson, had had a lot of high-value high, high value fantasy people over at Clemson over the years. In East Carolina, before Lincoln Riley uh, left for Oklahoma, they were you know a top-five pass attempt team every year, so Oklahoma could look a bit more like Texas Tech this year than they have in the past. Um, otherwise, the only, the only coaching notes we got here is, uh, uh, yeah, Bobo is going to take over at Colorado State, where Jim McElwain left for Florida. Um, and Al Borges is uh, going to go destroy the San Jose State offense while calling their plays. So uh, you know the one that the one that kind of jumps out to me first is the the uh, Phil Montgomery taking over at Tulsa. Kevon Lucas, a guy who I used quite a bit last year, um, and he was pretty awesome before this change. I mean, wh- how much do you uh, you know attribute maybe some of Baylor's success to Montgomery? Is is he and Art Briles' disciple, is he going to just try to run the exact same thing? Was was he responsible for maybe more of that than, than people might know? I would guess that Montgomery will stick pretty much to what uh, Art Briles has always done. I mean, it's it's what's gotten him these promotions all the, all this far, so he has reason to stick with what's worked this well. Um, Tulsa was a pretty up-tempo team last year, but they weren't particularly good. Um, so they ran a lot of plays. They had a lot of volume stats, but they weren't efficient. Like Dane Evans averaged only 6.7 yards per pass. Um, I think that'll change because one of the one of the constants with the Art Briles uh, Baylor offense was like yeah. everybody averages like 17 yards a catch. All the quarterbacks 
average nine and a half yards per pass. So I think they'll they'll open up the downfield passing game with their their high tempo, uh, high effectiveness rushing game. Uh, that's that's actually something people get wrong about Baylor. They they assume they're pass happy, but it's not really that. It's just that they run so right. many plays, they get so many first downs, particularly with the run. They're like a fifty five forty five team, but uh, when they do throw, it's for huge yards and uh, a high touchdown rate. And then you know the, the SMU. I mean, they they were maybe the worst offensive team in in they, the land last. They year. were the worst <laughs> thing ever last year. Yeah, they were bad. Um, yeah, so June Jones, who I don't, I don't know what that guy's deal was. Like, if, if he just wanted to go old Jimmy Buffett and just go on vacation down there and not take care of the team or whatever, but they didn't even look like a June <laughs> Jones team. Jimmy Buffett. Yeah, I don't, I don't know <laughs> what the deal was, but they were terrible. And he, I think, just was on vacation all that time. But uh, nice. anyway, Chad Kelly, or sorry, not Chad Kelly, Chad Morris, uh, the Clemson offensive coordinator of the past few years, has taken over. And uh, it seems like they've already set a pretty uh, positive contrast in tone from their past off seasons. It sounds like they're they're building something there pretty decent, um, and they've got a they've got a surprising number of talents to use on offense. They recruited really well recently this year, so you're going to see some young receivers making plays at SMU. It's just kind of hard to tell which ones it'll be. Uh, the quarterback should be Matt Davis, um, who's a former Texas A and M transfer and uh, was was really really good running the ball last year. And. Obviously, the probably the biggest coaching change in recent memory in, in college football is just the Harbaugh one in Michigan. Is it's kind of hard to sort of label necessarily a lot of what he did at uh, Stanford just because he had Andrew Luck. Or I mean, it, like what what type of style do you think he brings? to the table with uh with michigan like what can fantasy owners expect well i wouldn't expect big fantasy numbers there i mean uh the the harbaugh method of football is basically like run the ball to death and play awesome defense and to do that successfully you need to you know be as good of a coach as harbaugh is but like he gets people to overachieve you know like 49ers got so much better the second he got there um, I think you'll see a similar turnaround with the Wolverines. I mean, they they have too much recruiting capital to be as bad as they've been all this time, especially with someone as competent as Harbaugh taking over. However, uh, that doesn't mean they'll score a lot of points. Um, could, could like the biggest change just be that you don't want to target them like with players that are playing against you their defense? I think the Michigan defense will be really good right, right off the bat, even though they don't have a lot of obvious uh, experience or talent. Um, last year, I was targeting them whenever I could. <laughs> they're, they're, they actually overachieved on defense last year. They, were, they only allowed 22.4 points per game, which is actually impressive given how many times the def- or their offense left them you know, with three and outs and ridiculous turnovers and everything, even against bad teams. So yeah, I think the Wolverines will be a, a definite team to avoid when you're playing DFS this year. Uh, at least if your guys are tar- if you're targeting people playing against them, they might have a running back who's pretty good. But uh, like Derek Green, they're the former uh, so-called number one recruit at running back a couple of years ago. I don't think he's looked particularly good. Davian Smith has been a bit hit or miss. Drake Johnson. Uh, e- either way, we don't know which, if any of them, will stand out. So it's kind of hard to call at the at the moment. So let's move on to some injuries. Uh, your favorite player in all the nation, Deshaun Watson quarterback at clemson uh obviously the the acl tear that probably got sort of botched by the the coaching staff there Uh, dirt bag (laughs) like dabo dabo swinney has to be called like i mean so he deshaun watson played through an acl tear against uh south carolina i think it was um it was the final regular season game for clemson he tore the acl in practice the week before so dabo swinney was pretty much just like 
Well, we really want to beat South Carolina. I know this is traditionally a season-ending injury, and there's probably He's going to some... need surgery anyway. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a big <laughs> deal, man. You can't tear it again, right? So they, they he played on it, and he played awesome on it. Um, but it was still hugely negligent. Like it just, like, n- there's a reason ACL tear guys stop playing when they tear their ACLs. But uh, that regular season finale w- was worth the risk, I guess. Um, anyway, he he therefore had a pretty late season repair. Um, he had it, you know, at the end of November, almost December. Uh, it would have been nice to see Deshaun get that surgery done earlier in the year. Um, but evidently, Clemson is not worried about his availability or effectiveness. There's been no mention of him like missing any time this year. Um, it's it's somewhat believable. I mean, he's he's a great athlete. He's young. There's reason to think he'll recover quickly. But uh, there is some some concern about Watson's effectiveness as he shakes off the rust there. Um, similarly, my my favorite player in the entire country, Chucky Keaton. Wait, uh, it's, it's not it's not Watson. What did I? Oh, I was I was just. I, th- I think they're, I think Chucky Keaton is my favorite player in okay. the country, and uh, he he's returning from two season-ending knee issues, and so you got the same worry there. It's, he's 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 got the mid-season injury that and it ended his it ended his year, and now we're kind of wondering like, is it going to carry into this year? Hopefully, it won't because he's the best player in the when country. He, yeah, when he's when he's healthy last year. Uh, well, <laughs> Keaton actually struggled all last year because his leg just wasn't right from the first knee injury. So yeah, hopefully. This last one is more manageable. Hopefully they manage it right. Because the year before that, though, uh, Keaton was was totally a killer. He's he's really good. Uh, some other guys on this list: uh, Bowling Green quarterback Matt Johnson uh, back from a hip injury. He should be pretty big this year. He he was going to have a good year last year, but he had that injury in week one. James Napke took over for Bowling Green. He was not good, uh, but Johnson is. And Bowling Green has excellent receivers, so Matt Johnson is definitely a guy you should expect a breakout season from. Is he a dual threat, or is he? He's he's like he's like dual competent. He won't run unless he probably has to, but he he has shown some ability to to escape the pressure so far before last year that is and then what do you think about uh syracuse quarterback trail hunt's chances of of playing he's just a runner he he's got that job taken care of uh syracuse doesn't have a lot of talent uh particularly so he he's a guy that you might want to play on a a draft king scenario where he's going against a weak defense that he can get that 100 yards and, and the bonus for but uh he's not going to be particularly good against good defenses but um it, uh, on the receiver genre, we've got uh, two guys who could have been big names last year but weren't due, due to knee injuries. Uh, Braylon Addison at Oregon and Jamal Robinson at Louisiana Lafayette. They'll, they'll both be back this year. Uh, Addison's got a very crowded Oregon group of receivers to play in, though, so it's kind of hard to – it'll be hard to guess which games are good for him, whereas Jamal Robinson is probably the proper number one receiver at uh, Lafayette. Um, Illinois receiver Mike Dudek was – dominant last year as a true freshman definitely one of the best receivers in the country but he had a spring acl tear uh so it it, it might be one of the things those things where he returns mid-season he could redshirt who knows um and then the the two running backs uh these guys aren't hurt uh but delton williams was a, kind of expected to start at running back this year for michigan state before he waved a gun at someone hmm. from a car um and now he's not as it was reported actually this morning that he's not enrolled at michigan state but no one seems to know what his exact status is uh got i think gerald holmes and a freshman madre london probably look like the top two michigan state runners if williams is out of the picture um and a much more uh obviously important fantasy player leon allen from western kentucky who was awesome last year uh predictably 
Um, he had two public intoxication episodes this off season, so it's hard to know what to make of that. They weren't arrests, I don't think. I think they were citations, and he's apparently his only offense was being hammered no and big deal. entertaining, you know, you know in public. Uh, but yeah, so I, I don't School know if he'll get, he might get suspended or something for a game. They got a really good backup there, uh, Anthony Wales, I want to say. So that 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 whole uh, Allen might have had a little too much fun, might have lost some reps in the upcoming fall, but we'll see about that. Okay, so you know position battles. Obviously, the biggest one is the Ohio State situation. Uh, what do you make of that? And then then what are some other ones to to keep an eye on? Ohio State, you just have to kind of avoid until – even even if they name a clear starter, it's like, like who, who's going to believe that the other two won't play? Like, right. I, I just – it's – I think Urban Meyer got too greedy here. Like, there's yeah. – I think he's actually going to have no answer to this question. I, I don't get why comes. he didn't – I mean, he could have theoretically just kind of pushed – I mean, I know in, in, like, college hoops, coaches all the time, they'll just, like, push top recruits kind of out of the program that they don't want to have to make minutes for anymore, you know? like. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess Urban Meyer just kind of is like, yeah, I'll go tell a kid that uh, it's in his best interest to compete for a starting job here, even if I've already decided that he's just going to be the third right. quarterback. Like, I just, I want everything that I can get, and I want, I want to, I want my backup, backup quarterback to be an uh, All-American first-team candidate. Uh, well, I, from I, from it, a fantasy perspective, would you rather it be Cardale Jones' job or JT Barrett's job? It, it doesn't matter. I mean, no, no matter what, the other guys are going to screw it up for whoever starts. So, I mean, it's 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 bad. It it's from a fantasy perspective, and even in a real life perspective, it's like I know I know they're all they have this public line right now. It's like, oh, we're all you know happy Ohio State family. It's like, well, when you realize you could have been in the NFL this year, but you're instead backing up some guy. You know, it's it'll it'll perhaps test their patience a bit more once we actually get into the year. Now. Oklahoma at times Trevor Knight was very usable if you used him on the right week, yeah. uh, but he might have some competition this year. Yeah, he's competing with uh, I think it was Cody Thomas was the guy who was his backup last year, but Baker Mayfield, who's a Texas Tech transfer, actually started a bunch as a true freshman. Um, kind of left the program at at a point where it wasn't clear whether it was Mayfield or Davis Webb as the starter. Davis Webb is bad, so if yes. Baker Mayfield can't. <laughs> like can't decisively beat him out for a job i don't know why um he should start over trevor knight except uh again with uh east carolina's former offensive coordinator lincoln riley taking over they are going to an air raid which does resemble more the texas tech offense than it does the traditional uh oklahoma offense so maybe mayfield will start just because it's like he's a system fit um knight hasn't thrown the ball well he's a great athlete but unless he's playing alabama in a bowl game he it can't really be trusted as a passer so who knows where that goes? Um, whoever does get name starter should have a lot of value, though, because they could attempt something like 42, 45 passes per game. They're going to have two really good receivers in Sterling Shepard and D.D. Westbrook. Um, so, yeah, once one, if, if the news breaks that one of them is named the clear starter, um, they should have some default fantasy value just because of all the passes they're throwing. Have you done any uh i haven't i haven't asked you about this guy i don't think specifically but where where do you see sterling shepherd kind of ranking in uh, among wide receivers going into the year very high uh i'm not particularly concerned about the the groin injury that he had last year although it did linger the whole year um i'm, I'm hoping that was just a case of you know the team not letting the guy properly heal and rushing him back repeatedly um but yeah he he was awesome last year like he 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 
even in last year's Oklahoma offense, which will throw much less than this upcoming year, um, he he was on pace to push for that number one fantasy re- receiver spot. Uh, I want to say he had like 900 yards and five touchdowns. And if you look at his stats, it'll say he did that in 10 games. It was actually like five and a half um, because the other games he was just like active. He was like dressed, but he never played. Um, I have him at, I believe, fourth at receiver behind only Keevan Lucas, who's the top guy. Corey Davis is second. And Tajay Sharp, uh, Tajay Sharp at Massachusetts is three. So two of the top four guys getting new uh, new coaches this year. Um, so Texas A and M, uh, obviously a, a team that going into last year, a uh, lot of expectations, a um, lot of lot of quarterbacks got got action for them last year. Who's gonna Who's gonna be the guy this year? So Kyle Allen was the top ranked quarterback recruit last year, and he played pretty well for you know very well actually for a true freshman, especially at the end of the year. Um, Kyler Murray, who his rankings have in the recruiting rankings have fluctuated a bit more recently, but there was a long time where people were saying like, oh, he's the number one quarterback recruit of 2015. And he's still going to Texas A&M, even though they have Allen. So they're technically competing. It's hard to see how Murray has any chance of winning, though. I mean, he's a true freshman. Allen played very well last year. They already ran out Kenny Hill from town just to make room for Kyle Allen to get on the field and Kenny out or (coughs) Kenny Hill. It's the best quarterback in the country, so like to just kick him out like that is <laughs> inexcusable. I mean, to be serious though, I do think Kenny Hill had a had a, had a pretty shady exit there. He he transferred to TCU, but won't play until next year. Uh, anyway, Kyle Allen should have a huge year. I don't know what they're going to do with Kyler Murray, um, but it doesn't seem like a real competition. And what are all the Georgia Tech running backs up to? So uh, last year we had Zach Lasky and Sinjin Days. Both were pretty productive there. There should be another productive runner this year uh, with those two both graduated, but it's hard to tell who it's going to be. It was initially expected to be CJ Leggett, who's out for the year, and then he was considered to be uh, ahead of Quade Weimerskirch, who is, I guess, the the main competition. He's out for at least the start of the year with a foot injury that he suffered a while back. Uh, They moved... This guy, Marcus Allen, from linebacker to running back uh, to compete at that spot. Um, but basically, it, it's hard to tell. Marcus Allen might be the favorite because he was actually a former high recruit at linebacker um, before they lo- moved him to running back. So he's got the athleticism, and it's not, a, it's not a position that takes a lot of talent. I mean, it's the system that makes the stats in that case. So if Allen gets that starting job, he'll be, definitely be someone to watch because, uh, yeah, Sinjin Days and Zach Lasky were both pretty productive last year. And um, these guys aren't really... Uh, in position battles of any sort, but just to kind of note some some positional dynamics that have changed in the offseason. Jeff Driscoll transferred from Florida to Louisiana Tech. He's terrible, but Louisiana Tech plays at a low level of competition, and Driscoll did show some glimpses of being able to produce against bad defenses at Florida. So he might be a fit for an offense that uh, scored a lot of points last year uh, with Cody Sokol. Um, he was their, Cody Sokol was their quarterback last year, and he was like the third-string quarterback at Iowa before that. Um, so Driscoll has no excuses. Max Wittick, who was a former top recruit at USC, um, has a huge arm, didn't really succeed at USC, though. He transferred to Hawaii, where he'll start this year. He has two really good receivers in Marcus Kemp and uh, Quentin Pedroza. Um, this guy, Michael Birdsong, is starting at quarterback for Marshall. He, was, he transferred from uh, I think James Madison or something like that. Uh, Robbie Rhodes, a former Baylor receiver, should suit up for Bowling Green this year. He, he's, he could be a part of a dominant group of receivers. And then Jordan Howard, um, definitely the biggest name victimized by that stupid UAB brief cancellation. 
Um, so he transferred from UAB to Indiana, um, where he was, I think, second on the depth chart coming out of the spring, but that was just kind of you know a, a dumb prove it technicality he's the best player on that offense so do you do you know anything about michael birdsong because i mean that's a pretty awesome name and marshall was was awfully useful at times last year in terms of their offense yeah so rakeem cato is going to be tough to imitate he's not he's he's a non-nfl prospect and yet he was such a good fit as a college quarterback birdsong is a lot bigger he like cato is something like 511 175 or something birdsong's like 65 230 um he played uh, he, he started as a sophomore, I think, at James Madison. I, I should just look this up. Uh, but uh, anyway, he's, he's a big, bigger quarterback, but he showed some um, he, he showed some dual threat ability um, in his previous stop. He's going to have a bunch of really good receivers to throw to. Uh, still a lot of talent left in that Marshall offense. Devin Johnson uh, is going to move the chains and you know score some long touchdowns. So Birdsong should be good. It, it would just it's just unfair to expect him to match a guy like I'm gonna, Cato. I'm going to make sure I have him in at least one uh, one DFS lineup in in 2015. Just just a shout out to that that sweet last name. Yeah, James Madison. That's where he played before. Uh, okay, so probably the the funnest part of the episode, the breakout candidates part. Um, you know, kind of get a head start on some guys that you'll probably be using. An awful lot this year. Uh, let's start with the Baylor quarterback uh, replacing podcast legend Bryce Petty, who was the best player in the country <laughs> last year. But uh, if, you, if you didn't think he was going to be an NFL bust, the Jets taking him in the draft all but assured that. So uh, what, what do you make of his replacement, Seth Russell? Uh, Seth Russell is, uh, to, to be technical, he's only tentatively expected to start, but it's uh, it's kind of inconceivable that he wouldn't because he's been really really good as an off the bench player the last two years um he's more mobile upgrade Uh, i expect him (laughs) to be a pretty safe upgrade over bryce petty and i'm not even joking like he's he's uh i'm not either yeah so russell is it looks like he's a pretty awesome runner is the thing and uh that baylor offense uh it's it's got double digit rushing touchdown potential for the quarterback even if the quarterback isn't particularly athletic like petty was a good not great athlete had double digit rushing touchdowns uh two years ago um russell had 147 yards three touchdowns on 24 carries in 2013 that's 6.1 a carry uh touchdown every eight carries last year he had 185 yards and three touchdowns on 32 carries you know that's a touchdown about every 10 and a half 5.8 yards per carry he had eight touchdowns and one interception last year while averaging 9.5 yards per pass uh going back to robert griffin and then nick florence than Bryce Petty. This Baylor system has been extremely reliable. Russell has a lot of experience learning it. He has off the bench experience in each of his last two years. He succeeded wildly in both cases. He's going to have awesome receivers to throw to, deep group of running backs. Baylor, I think, will be even better on offense this year. And uh, Russell is probably going to be my top quarterback going into this year, which um, I haven't seen him rank that high otherwise so uh he seems to be more in like a five to eight range for most but for me he's the safe number one because uh he's got 40 touchdown potential and i think at least 10 of those will be rushing does baylor have the best wide receivers in the country uh they could i mean katie cannon was awesome last year as a true freshman a lot of those numbers came from a two-week span when uh goodley and Corey coleman were both out um against midwestern state and buffalo or something so Cannon has has a bit more to prove, but he was he was the best player on that team in uh, their bowl game against Michigan State. Um, Corey Coleman's the lead guy; he's awesome. 
Uh, Jay Lee should be a really good uh, starter too. They've got a they've got a bunch of recent recruits who are really good too. Ishmael Zamora, um, he, he timed and jumped the same or better as uh, Katie Cannon did, and he's six foot four, two twenty, which is like uh, you know like six inches and forty pounds heavier than Katie Cannon. So he could be a breakout player. Um, everything about Baylor looks like it's just plug and play for Seth Russell. So I, I, he's also the best uh, Heisman bet right now. By the way, he's something like. 30 to 1 on Bovada when I looked the other day, which puts him behind just some just comical. Scrubs. Yeah, some guys <laughs> like just have no business being anywhere near him or ahead of him were. Um, but yeah, he's, he's like a 40 touchdown was player he, on his team. Is he behind your least favorite player in college football, Fournette? Oh, he's not my least favorite. Oh, you hate him, though. No, you, you, no. <laughs> you hate him in your rankings. No, I have him at like 20. That's, <laughs> that's very, this is a deep running back class. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I. I I, I, okay, so final thing on Seth Russell. He's going to be like a 40-touchdown player on a team projected to be top five preseason ranked. Like, what? how much more obvious right. of a Heisman bet can you get than that? And he's like 30-1. to one. Yeah. Anyway. Um, staying in that state, Texas Tech uh, quarterback Pat Mahomes. What can you tell us about him? I think I think his dad was a major league pitcher. Um, I think he, that, he, that name was ringing bells. So that yeah, might he, be, he's, might be uh, he's actually on the Tech baseball team, too, I think. But... Uh, he's g- competing with Davis Webb, who is not a quarterback at all. No. And he's going, he's got dual threat ability a little bit, at least he's a, he's a better athlete than you traditionally see in a Texas tech quarterback. Um, I want to say it was 18 passing touchdowns and four interceptions he had last year. Um, almost all of his snaps were against some of the toughest parts of the Texas tech schedule. Like he, he, uh, it was the final four weeks that he played the most. It was against Texas, Oklahoma, Iowa State was the easiest of them, and then Baylor. So those are those are three of like the four toughest defenses that he could see in his division. And he threw for 393 yards and four touchdowns against Oklahoma, 598 yards and six touchdowns against Baylor. Um, he's going to be really good if he starts, as I expect. Um, he's got pretty decent receivers to throw to, and I, I think he's just the most talented Texas Tech quarterback um, that we've probably seen. Not yeah, that it was, saying that it was kind of a bummer last year that – that Davis Webb was, I mean, they, they 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 had some awesome wide receivers that just seemed to kind of underperform at times. Um, yeah, Webb is terrible. Uh, Washington State, um, probably the, I don't know, maybe the best the best offensive system to to get a quarterback into. Um, they they threw the ball like an act like it's there should be some kind of rule put in place <laughs> or something because it's just silly how often they threw the ball. Like they were easily in first. Um, in the nation with 64.3 passes per game, 771 in 12 games. The next closest team was East Carolina with 49 pass attempts per game. So that's more than 15 more per game than the next team. Uh, It was Connor Halliday primarily throwing the ball last year, but Luke Falk got on the field a little bit due to injury, put up big numbers. Um, he should put up. He should be at least as good as Halliday. Like Halliday, and I, I wasn't, wasn't impressed good. by Halliday. Halliday mm-hmm. is not a good yeah. player. <laughs> so uh, Falk, he has modest recruiting pedigree, but he did really well last year. Um, he's similarly. There's a bit of a change of the guard at receiver with Washington State losing Vince Mail and Isaiah Isaiah Myers in the off season. Uh, we've got River Craycraft, uh, Gabe Marks, and Dom Williams. All three of them have 1,000 yard potential this year. Craycraft is the guy to target first, and then Marks probably. All right. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, that, that's such a tough offense to to go after in daily because you know that, like, at least two of the wide receivers are going to go off almost every single week. It's just kind of tough to pinpoint which one. Right. The good the good news in this case is those three guys are all very experienced. So they and there's no there's no like comparable player okay. otherwise in that group. So 
picking the which of those three is hard, but at least it's not like one out of six like nice. it was last year. Uh, uh, we'll hit on the, the SMU Mustangs again. Matt Davis. Yeah, so he's he's a guy that I like a lot. Uh, my projections are like recklessly high on him. Like, <laughs> I, I, I mean, so he's rushing they're ability be behind a lot yeah well there's that they they're they're going they're in a system they're a, par, a conference that just doesn't really play much defense uh chad morris has a very impressive track record i think he'll get immediate returns out of that team and davis even playing for you know june jones's train wreck of a team last year in his final in the he started the final five games ran for 181 yards and two touchdowns against tulsa ran for 53 yards 40 yards and a touchdown 70 yards against Houston, who had one of the best defenses out of uh, the outside of the power five and even probably very good by power five uh, standards. Um, so he's losing sack yardage against these games and he's still putting up all these, these really high rushing numbers. And then against Connecticut in the season finale, 191 yards and a touchdown. He's a really, really good runner. He's going to throw the ball a lot. He's going to run the ball a lot in an up-tempo approach. Um, basically, if, if, if Chad Morris can make Todd Boyd look like just, an absolute monster in the ACC. I don't know why you couldn't take a guy like Davis and make him uh, very successful in a uh, conference USA. And uh, although they don't have any big names at receiver, uh, their recent recruits are very high ranked by SMU standards. And uh, I think there's going to be some playmakers on that team, uh, even if no one's heard about them ahead of time. Is, is Deion Sanders Jr. one of those players? I, <laughs> he, saw that, I saw that he was on the roster. Yeah, he is on the team. He's not that. <laughs> I mean, he's gonna ca- he's gonna catch like 30 passes on like bubble screens and stuff. He's he's kind of not very good. Okay, I didn't I didn't think so. Otherwise, yeah. I think it's it's a bunch of guys who are like true freshmen this year. But they were, they were guys who could have played in, for big schools, and uh, I think they'll play right away at SMU. I feel like there's going to be a massive recruiting sanction coming for SMU in, in hoops and football uh, sometime down down the road. But um, uh, let's move on to uh, Corey Clement. Is he is he safe in just being the the Badgers back on first, second, and third down against uh, good teams, or is there is there anyone there that can challenge him? No one can challenge Corey Clement at Wisconsin. It, in fact, like Wisconsin's backup running back situation looks a bit problematic. Um, Clement is really, really, really good. Um, his his upside won't be that of Melvin Gordon's, but it, he should be. Uh, I mean, I, I, he's better than James White. He's better yeah. than Monty Ball. Um, he should put up huge numbers. There is the fact that uh, Wisconsin's quarterback Joel Stave is so bad, and that will probably hurt him against really good defenses. Is he the starter for sure? Stop it! Yeah, yeah. Um, That's too bad. They just yeah. They, they <laughs> everybody loves a tall, slow quarterback. Like, yeah, they're good. They're good passers when they're tall and slow. Um, but yeah, so Corey Clement and a guy who's actually similar to Corey Clement in that he was a highly productive second runner the last two years uh, and is now stepping into a clear top back role. Elijah McGuire at Louisiana Lafayette. If you've played DFS yeah, and I follow college football last two years, you know who both Corey Clement and Elijah McGuire are. But uh, they're going to see bigger roles this year, and and so their their fantasy value will reach new heights. Yeah, that was what was so frustrating about McGuire last year is that you you saw it on a on a per carry basis, but you just didn't know how many carries he was going to get week to week. Uh, so that'd be good to see that kind of tick up and be a bit more steady this year. Uh, Tulsa, we've we've seen running backs at Tulsa be be useful at times, and you hit on Zach Langer earlier. I mean, where does he kind of slot in? Is he someone that you know top twenty, top thirty? He's he's top 25 for me safely i wanted to put him like top 15 20 but it was hard there's there's this running back group is very strong this year you've got guys like 
Devontae Booker and Paul Perkins um, outside of the 15 in most cases. Like, and my, my rankings are quite a bit different from most people. I've got like guys like Kareem Hunt and Kenneth Dixon outside of the top 10 because it's just there's so many good players this year. Um, but yeah, Zach Langer, he's, he's probably not that good of a player, um, but he's, in a, he's on a team that's going to run the ball a lot and at a fast pace. Um, Zach, uh, Zach Langer did have some big games last year, even in a Tulsa offense that was pretty inefficient. He had, uh, he had four 100-yard games, um, only had four touchdowns, though, and he only averaged 4.1 yards per carry. I think what you'll see is that average go up at least a yard this year. Um, and he, sh- he should still he should get a lot of a lot of carries because Tulsa doesn't have obvious threats to uh, steal snaps from him. So only had 800, 801 yards and four touchdowns last year. But I think Langer should put up some of the biggest numbers in his conference. So you have Stanford running back Christian McCaffrey uh, listed here. And I'm always sort of averse to rolling with the, the Stanford backs because I just assume that they're the, the kind of slow plotting types. But but what what's he kind of like? Is he someone that you're going to be using this year? Yeah, so he's he's one of the more uh, aggressive high rankings that I have, I guess, because his, his role is not certain. Um, he only had 42 carries last year as a freshman. Kelsey Young, Barry Sanders, Raymond Wright were all ahead of him. Um, but Raymond Wright graduated, Kelsey Young transferred to Boise State, and it doesn't seem like Barry Sanders is that good, or at least not appreciated by the Stanford by the Stanford coaching staff, which presumably is more more prone to liking power backs, as you said, because mm-hmm. they, they kind of have that like you know hard nose, whatever. They can go uh, get you two yards. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just get a, get us a Steven Taylor. Get a yeah. good four eight forty guy in here. Um, but Christian McCaffrey was really good last year. His forty two carries went for three hundred yards. That's over nice. seven point one a carry. Had seventeen catches for two hundred fifty one yards, two touchdowns. Um, I think he's just a really good player and the opportunity there is too tempting to not rank him that high especially since Sanders just doesn't seem to be a serious consideration for them now this next guy plays for Auburn and Auburn's probably one of my favorite teams to to use in DFS uh Javon Robinson is he going to be the the lead back this year it seems like uh, a high recruit from last year Rock Thomas might see some snaps too but it's hard to see how Robinson uh doesn't kind of run away with it eventually because he was he was widely regarded as like the top running back recruit this year as a junior college transfer he actually committed to auburn like two years ago but got uh kind of barred by academic things um it's not a problem now he was a five-star recruit even as a junior college guy which would seem to me yeah that would seem to kind of say like he will play you know like you don't really hear like, about five stars. So he's kind of a prize. Prize. He was guy. he was like a four star guy back when he was in, initially coming out of high school, and apparently people have even higher opinion after watching him at junior college the last two years. But yeah, he should be he should be big. Uh, he he almost has to be better than Cameron Artis Payne, who was was very productive last year, but I don't think is particularly talented by Auburn standards. Now Jeff Jones, who is the next in a, a long proud lineage of of Minnesota running backs, uh, is he going to have uh, the same kind of success that some of the guys before him have had. So the, I think the Minnesota offense will look a, quite a bit different this year, aside from you know the the always run heavy emphasis. I think Roderick Williams is a guy who has been with the program the last three years. He's probably going to start at running back for them. Um, but David Cobb was getting like twenty five carries per game last year. I think there's room for Roderick Williams to get 
you know, 14, 15 carries per game and then give Jones about 10. And the interesting thing with Jones is he's also been lining up at receiver for Minnesota. So he was a very high recruit last year. He redshirted due to uh, academic issues, I guess. Um, he could have played at really a much high, more, really high academic standard standards at Minnesota. Yes, they, they have standards <laughs> there. Um, he, he had the high grades this year. So uh, now he gets to play and yeah, it, it could, it could be a scenario where he leads the team in receiving and gets like 125 carries. He was um, probably taking some of the classes I was taking when I was there. Nice. Um, so this, this next guy, well, actually we'll, we'll hit on a couple of USC receivers, but other than uh, Nick Chubb, Juju Smith is the guy that I'm, I'm most excited to start week one in DFS this year. Uh, where do you have Juju Smith ranked among your wide receivers? And what about his teammate, Stephen Mitchell? So uh, let's see. Stephen Mitchell and also another guy who's been making some noise there, Isaac Whitney, a junior college transfer. Um, I have them outside of my top, uh, let's say, 50, outside of the top 60. But uh, Juju... Uh, very high ranking at 10 at 10 overall at the receiver mm. position um, a little low a little low I realize but uh, <laughs> the thing is like Stephen Mitchell and Isaac Whitney both seem quite good it doesn't look like USC will have the same uh, thing last year where it's Aguilar and Juju and then a bunch of guys who no one cares about it seems like they actually have at least three uh, no, borderline number one receiver types so this this is an offense that's going to throw 30 touchdowns like Cody Kessler is one of the best quarterbacks in the country especially as a passer 39 touchdowns in 13 games last year um they're not going to score 39 on 452 pass attempts but it's hard to see how Juju Smith doesn't go for like at least 1100 yards and at least 12 touchdowns um he he was actually a five-star recruit last year there's he was productive as a true freshman uh got better as the year went along I think he's finished with like 750 yards and five touchdowns um, even with Aguilar gob- gobbling up all those targets. So huge year for Juju. Um, and yeah, Stephen Mitchell and Isaac Whitney could make some appearances too. I believe he's got red dreadlocks too, which is which is nice. That's always a plus. Um, unless Josh Darbo <laughs> is the one hazard tail with that. Um, you, yeah, usually a plus with the red dreads. Uh, Marshall has a couple wide receivers um, that you, you mentioned earlier, but Angelo John Lewis and Deontay McManus, um, both uh, pretty cool names. Where, where do you solid, see them? Solid names. And, uh, yeah, so those guys have to compete with Devontae Allen for, like, the number one receiver distinction at Marshall. I don't know what to make of Allen exactly. Like, he's been a productive downfield threat the last couple of years, but uh, was – dealt with injury last year and he it's hard to tell whether he's a legit number one type guy lewis and mcmanus were both very good as freshmen last year uh gene lewis caught 21 passes for 490 yards and six touchdowns and mcmanus caught 26 for 422 yards and six touchdowns uh they'll both see a lot more targets because tommy Schuler graduated he had 92 catches last year and like 200 over the two years before that um, Eric Fernatfield, the senior tight end, is gone after catching 37 passes last year. McManus is a guy who I can't remember where it was, but he was he was basically like a four star recruit who ended up at Marshall probably for academic reasons. Very good uh, last year. He's he's like a six foot two, 230 pound guy. So I, I love his ability to make a red zone impact, um, standout athlete at that kind of size, and playing for the Marshall system should should be big things. Whereas uh, any, uh, Angelo Jean Lewis is more like the the elusive guy. He's only like six foot one eighty, um, probably more of an after the catch threat than McManus, who's probably going to be the jump ball guy there. Uh, one last wide receiver, then we'll hit on a couple tight ends. Uh, Demorne Pearson L. I think I pronounced that right. Uh, with Nebraska, is he 
Is he a freshman? No, he he played last year. He was he's a guy who's a small receiver. He's listed at five nine, one eighty ish. He was w- probably the best punt returner in the country last year. He's he might be the most feared open field runner um, in the country, even going into his second year. He had uh, averaged seventeen and a half yards per punt return, returned three for touchdowns on thirty four tries, and he also caught twenty three passes for three hundred and twenty one yards and four touchdowns. So Nebraska lost its top receiver, Kenny Bell, to graduation. Um, so that's that's going to be more work for Pearson L as well as Jordan Westerkamp, who was pretty good last year. But I like Pearson L specifically um, because he has he's more similar to guys at who were very productive for Mike so, Riley at Oregon State, like Brandon Cooks and uh, James Rogers. So could yeah. he be lined up like out of the backfield like sometimes or no? Uh, pro- probably not. He's he's more like a, a slot guy basically. Okay. But like yeah, Mike Riley's gotten big numbers out of those guys. Uh, Brandon Cooks, James Rogers. Even Victor Bolden started to get a lot of targets last year. Pearson L is a lot like all those guys, and he's he's closer to Brandon Cook's talent than he is James Rogers. Like he's oh. he's really good. Okay. Um. Well, yeah, definitely a name to keep an eye out for. What about a uh, couple tight ends here? So we got. It's hard to find a breakout tight end, but uh, Alabama's OJ Howard, who uh, scouting types have been waiting for, for to make an impact his whole time at Alabama, and it just hasn't happened. Um, but after catching 17 passes for 260 yards last year, Howard should get a promotion because Amari Cooper's gone. He caught 124 passes. Christian Jones is gone. Caught 19 last year. DeAndre White is gone. He caught 40. That's uh, 160 or something. <laughs> so, yeah. So Howard caught 17. He, they got to replace like 170 receptions from last year's offense. Um, he averaged 15 yards a catch, showed some playmaking ability. Uh, the other guy is a bit more obscure, but he's he's part of the uh, Chad Morris revival at, at SMU. Jeremiah Gaines. Uh, he wasn't used much the past couple of years, but he was a pretty high tight end recruit for SMU. Um, he's pretty much like a receiver tight end tweener. Um, but yeah, I, I like that team's bounce back potential, and I like Gaines playing a part of it. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of our quick breakdown of, of the incoming year. Uh, do, do we want the viewers to get to know us now or? <laughs> i didn't really set anything up for that um what's what's the what's what have you been listening to lately what's the best uh, new album that you've been been bumping been listening to a lot of rat king and harassing my coworkers about listening to rat king too they've played <laughs> two free downloads already nick whalen got a free download too damn i haven't gotten one yet there's one left on the thing it's i got i always get the vinyl and they give the three downloads ah. so Get, go ask Clay for the latest. I've, I've been I've been hitting up. Uh, I've been still just listening to that new ASAP Rocky. So I don't know if I, I don't know if I have time. But uh, yeah, I guess I, I guess I could probably get that last one. Um, all right, cool. Well, that'll that'll probably do it for us. Uh, I don't know when we'll we'll get back on here. I'm thinking maybe uh, mid July or or maybe early August, something we'll like try that. Try to find like a, a song to have at the beginning of the podcast, and we'll try to like make a plan for it. Like, <laughs> sure. Yeah. We'll I try mean, to like actually make a podcast next time. Yeah. 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 This one is just kind of for the, the people that are just diehards and need, need some college football in their life in early June. Uh, hopefully we, we satisfied your need for that with this. Oh, uh, find, find James on Twitter. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm on Twitter at real J.R. Anderson and, uh, you can I'm technically me. not on Twitter, but I, you can harass me at the RotoWire NFL draft slash college account. That's at NFL draft underscore RW. 
Um, yeah. 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 I mean, Mario, Mario likes to be off the, off the grid, but if someone tweets from that account, it's, it's usually him. All right, cool. Well, yeah, this was the, the Rotowire uh, college football podcast. We'll be back with you, you know, I don't know, month or month or two down the line, but then we'll be every single week on Wednesdays during the college football season. Uh, have a good day. They're going to kill the love of my life. Casey! If I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday. Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain for love. Collide in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13. Maybe inappropriate for children under 13. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.